0: we <laughs> Morning on this Sunday morning. I hope you guys are doing great. We are. uh, We we cut it off last week because it just got a little bit too long. So this week, week number four on our on our big picture differences between Team God and Team Satan. We're gonna share point number four today, and uh, we're looking at how these two kingdoms from a blimp's view are so drastically different. Team God is is moving in one direction and about people and about unity and about love. And team Satan, the scatterers, is about division and, dis- and rebellion and attacking anything that God has made good. And so we're talking about getting in the game. Here's point number four. I hope you'll be blessed and challenged as we think about this truth. It's this, number four, team God emphasis is on the eternal the forever always has been always will be team Satan's emphasis is on the flesh or the temporal this is a big thing this explains this point alone will explain a lot of what's going on and how the devil works and why he's so effective on us as people okay when you start to think about this God is the God of eternity Satan is a, is, a, is the the little god of the temporal, the flesh, the world. Two different kingdoms after two different things. Here's the deal. In, in 1 John, in 1 John chapter 2, John writes, and look what John says. He says, do not love the world. Do not love the world. You get that? Why? Because you're a Christian, and you are on team God, and if and the world is not a part of team God. It is in a rebellion toward God, and anything that loves the world, that's a part of this world, that buys into this world, is against God. Now look what John says. Do not love the world or anything of the world. Avoid it. Stay away from it. Come apart from the world. If anyone loves the world, stuff of the world, the system of the world, buys into the junk of the world, then the love of the Father is not in them. In other words, if you love this world and you bought into this world and you're all about this world, and you're not even thinking about eternity, you're not even thinking about the one who made you, you're not living to honor him or please him, then you have bought into the world and you are clearly, clearly, clearly not on team God. Now, God has tried through His Word over and over again to help us understand these things. We want to accuse God of being mean or are sending people to hell when the truth of the matter is God has given us every warning in the world to avoid hell and we just assume march right into hell all on our own because we think we know better. And God, once again, through John the Apostle, says, Don't love the world or anything of the world, because if you love this world, then the love of God is not in you. Verse 16. For everything in the world, everything, not some things, everything, the lust of the flesh, which is what we've been talking about, the lust of our eyes, because we're human and weak, and the pride of our life comes not from God, but from the world and from the system of the world and the evil one, the God of this age, the world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. John points out very clearly that there are two teams. There's the world team, team world, and it is going to pass away and all the souls that are connected to it are gonna spend eternity in hell when everything that is physical passes away. And then there's those who love God and honor God who have come apart from the world and understand that the world is not our home. And we're not here to honor the world or collect the stuff of the world or any of that. We're here to honor God and live for him and be on his team and play our position on God's team, his kingdom in this world, trying to reach those people that are lost, confused or just don't know. Okay, but there's clearly two. One is going to spend eternity in life with God and the other is going to spend eternity apart. From God. God. It's so clear. There's such a clear distinction in the scripture about the two that one is going to pass away. The physical things are going to pass away and eternity is on the other side of this heaven or hell you're going to you're going to go somewhere god is eternal god is not of this world god is eternal he's from eternity to eternity he's the alpha he's the omega he's the beginning he's the end we live in time god lives in eternity he always has been we will never understand how that is we're human we got this clay brain made out of dirt we're not going to understand the complexities of the god of all creation so stop Thinking that you will. Who do you think you are? That you can understand, fathom the things of the creator. We're just tiny little specks of dirt that God made in his image. We can barely like exist and think at all, let alone know it all. all right? God is eternal. Satan is a created being. Satan was made by God. Not to be evil, to rebel. That was his own free will. He chose to rebel. And his reign, Satan's reign is temporary, and his reign is limited, so so he can only battle us in the flesh and in the now. That's his only weaponry, is the flesh and the now. And he uses every tactic he can to throw at us, to deceive us, and to trick us. What, What we have here, and what we have going on in this battle, these two teams, is a classic case of one team, God's team fighting according to the morals and the standards for the good of all of mankind, what's right for all of us, and we have another team that does not. We have team Satan that doesn't have rules, he's thrown them away a long time ago, he's rebelled against them a long time ago, and anything goes, he can do whatever he wants. And so in in some ways, it's just not a fair fight. Like it's not even a fair fight. In a couple different ways. Think with me for a minute. On one hand, we are human beings. I just talked about how fleshly we are. We're made out of the dirt, right? God fashioned us. We do not have the capacity or the mind ability as God or even as Satan in any way. Okay? He is more powerful than we ever will be. Ever. But we are humans and we are at a major disadvantage. And Satan, what he does is he appeals to our pleasures. Satan appeals to our weaknesses, our fleshly lusts. He appeals to our brokenness, and he attacks us, and he isn't afraid to hit below the belt. There is no belt for Satan. He can hit you wherever he wants. God isn't like that. The devil is. He has no rules. He doesn't follow anything. He follows his own pleasures and his own wishes and his own agenda and his own wants and it's not a fair fight. So there's no respect or regard for you or for rules or morality from Satan. And that is exactly what we hear the world say these days. There is no regard for any kind of morality or standards. Anything goes. And if you stand for a truth or you stand for God or you stand for a certain way of life because that's what God said, you're you're the enemy. You are no longer a friend in any way of this world and the thinking of the world, the mentality of the world. So on the other hand, Satan, you know, on one hand, we're, we're in trouble because the devil is going to pounce on us outside of God and we're weak, we're human. But on the other hand, Satan, Satan does not stand a snowball's chance in hell to win the war. He doesn't have a chance. He is outpowered. He's outnumbered. He is going to be crushed. He will be crushed. God is the God of righteousness. God dwells and he creates in the legal, in what's right, in what's truth, in what's best. Satan, he is a liar. Satan is a liar and he does not care for any form of legal. He dwells in the illegal. He creates the illegal and he makes a living in the corrupt. That's what he does. Satan is delusional and he's a liar. Jesus came that you would have life and have life to the full, power to fight, and power to be free in this life and for all of eternity because Jesus knows that we are surrounded by the enemy. And Jesus came to give you the power you need to make it through this world, holding on to him, honoring him, living for him in the midst of hostile territory, right? That's what we are. If you've ever gone to another country, if you've gone to Haiti, you've gone to Mexico, you've gone to some of these other countries, third world countries, you are out of place there. we walking down the street in Haiti and we're the only white people walking down the street and they're all looking at us, laughing at us, pointing at us. We stood out like a sore thumb. That's how we are as Christians in this world. We don't belong here. All the evil that surrounds us is not our friend. It is not what we want to be a part of. Satan's days are numbered. His tactics are cheap and they are phony. He doesn't have power. He only has illusions and delusions and deceit and lies and trickery. So his goal, his goal is to take every soul that he can with him on his way to hell because he knows that's where he's headed. And the flesh The pleasures of the flesh are his only appeal, his only play on you. His only play on me is the pleasures of the flesh, sex, drugs, money, rock and roll, fame, fortune, all that stuff. Just go ahead, trade in your soul for a bowl of pleasure. That's what he offers you. For the momentary pleasures of the world, people time and time again trade their soul in their soul, their eternal soul for the pleasures and the cheap stuff of this world. But you know what? Here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. As, as Christians, if you, are, if you are growing up in your faith, and I, and I hope we are. You know, I hope we are growing up in our faith and we, we see what's going on. And we're aware and we're holding on to God with everything in us. And every day we're letting go more and more of the junk of the world. You know, when you become a Christian, you don't, it doesn't all go away automatically. There may be some things that you are passionate now about that you're going to get rid of in your life because you know they got to go. But for most Christians, it's a, it's a process of life that you realize, you know what, I really don't need this stuff in my life anymore. It's not helping me grow in my faith. In fact, it's pulling me away. It's, it's leading me the wrong way. It's confusing my brain and my thinking. I'm trying to honor God, but I'm still doing stuff I know I shouldn't do. When you continue to let go of that stuff every day as you live, this process of being made perfect in Jesus, it's lifelong. We'll never get there. On one hand, we are made perfect as God looks at us and we've accepted Christ and his blood covers us and he sees us cleansed of sin. But on the other hand, we are still in this body of of flesh and we're living on a planet and we're having to fight against these battles and we're waging war and we're putting on the armor of God and we got the Holy Spirit and we got the word of God and we're fighting, but we know in our own heart there's things that gotta go. We keep gotta go, they gotta go. And we keep letting them go we do, because we're growing up in Christ. We're growing in our faith in Jesus, right? Mature Christians get it. We get it. That's what we do. We, we see the battlefield. We understand that, and we, and we see Satan's, like, play. We see his strategy. We see what he's up to. We see how he's tricking people, right? And we hunger to know and to love the heart of God, to walk in the ways of the Lord. That's what mature Christians do. We want to do what God wants. We want to do it his way. And and what we do is we let the, the spirit of God empower us in our lives and the word of God lead us so that we can overcome every attack. We see the attacks coming because we are living in the light. We are no longer in the dark. We are now living in the light of Jesus, and we see the counterfeit. We see the crud coming our way. We spot it a mile away. When you're growing up in your faith, here you go, Ephesians chapter four. And uh, we're, we're we're getting close. I, I know this is this is deep stuff. This is heavy stuff. I hope you're still hanging with me. Please, a few more minutes. And we're gonna we're gonna bring this to an end. But this is so important that we we get the differences, these big things. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter four. So Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. These are leaders in the church that we must be under part of this body of Christ. And here's why he gave them to equip God's people for sitting in a pew, no, to equip God's people for works of service. That's your position on the field. You are to be equipped by the apostles, the prophets, the teachings of God, the elders in your church, whoever is in authority in your church that you are under, they are supposed to be equipping you for works of service. And the reason for works of service, all of us, is so that the body of Christ, the team God, may be built up like all of us working together to build it up to build us up until verse 13 until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Jesus the son of God and we become what we become mature we become aware attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, this is this is so important. It's critical that we understand, that we see, and that we get it. That we know what God is up to, and we know what the devil is up to, and we see it. Not just that there's two teams. This is basic stuff. There's Team God. And there's Team Satan. But knowing there's no other team. That's important. There's only two teams. But that's not all. And knowing what the two teams are about and what they stand for and where they're leading, that's important to know, but that's not all. But that we flourish. What is important is that we flourish on this earth, walking in the ways and in the power of Jesus, mature, growing up in Jesus, becoming more mature, not satisfied with the status quo, Not just sitting in a pew one day and saying, you know, that's as far as I'm going to go. I'm just going to camp out here for a while. No, no, we're going to keep climbing. We're going to keep becoming more like Jesus. We're going to keep getting junk out of our life and keep putting God in. Because we don't want to be like this world or anything of it or a part of it in any way. We want to be free to live with conviction. The convictions of God that saturate, that saturate us in the ways of the Lord and the ways of God and the ways of truth and not in the ways of the world. Paul goes on to say, then once we become mature, as we become mature, we'll no longer be what? Infants, little babies, no more baby Christian. We're going to grow up. Quit drinking milk. Let's go. Let's dig into the word a little. That's what we're doing today. This is meat stuff. I'm, I I got to tell you, this is not milk. Some of some may have fallen asleep by now or turned off the TV and left. I don't know. But this is not little stuff. This is deeper stuff. This is like, do I really want to dig deep with God? And that's what Paul is saying here. If you're growing up in your faith, you're being taught by people who love the Lord and are in the word of God, then you're no longer if you if you stay, don't don't give in, don't cop out. Don't Don't shut the TV off. If you will stay, you're no longer, you know, you're going to grow up in Christ and you're not going to be an infant anymore. You're going to want milk and you're going to want meat. No longer tossed back and forth by the waves, blown by here and there by the wind of every teaching that comes our way. You know, you ever know people who just, they they buy into everything. Everything's wonderful. Everything's okay. Oh, Buddha, this... Buddha that, Krishna that, Islam that, all these different belief systems, all are okay. we all just going to coexist together. That's another one of those words, coexist. Yeah, sounds so good, right? Coexist. Except it's in a direct attack on God and his ways as well. Sounds good. It's nicely crafted in, in in a sense of unity and love and diversity. But its core is against and a rebellion toward God. Anything goes. Anything goes will no longer be blown here and there by the wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of the people and their deceitful scheming, that's Satan. and How he uses people to deceive. Instead, speaking the truth of love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature, there it is again, body of him who is the head, right? The head, that is Christ. Christian maturity is becoming more and more like Jesus and less consumed by the world. Less Like the world, where all of the world perishes. It's all going to vanish. It's all going to come to an end. The flesh and the stuff of the temporal world. More focused on the eternal, on, on our kingdom work here on the earth, the work that God wants to do in us and through us on this earth before Jesus comes back. The only reason that this is possible, the only way that it's even possible for us to overcome and have this power is because of Jesus. Spiritual maturity can only come in a relationship, a growing, breathing, hungering relationship with Jesus and his Holy Spirit living in our life and the word of God leading us, at work in us. Let me just share one last passage with you. I know, I know, I know. I'm bad, I'm bad. Colossians chapter 2, because this is the last blimps view, okay? And we're going to move on to nuts and bolts. Hang with me in a few more minutes. Colossians says that this is a great passage. You don't want to leave now. Trust me. This is good. When you were dead, <laughs> when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, when at one time you were in the dark, before you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, and other, some people are still there, and many people are still in the dark they have been separated by god and they are dead to god in their sins their sins have separated separated them right and in the uncircumcision of uh, of your flesh right you are still fleshly you didn't break out of it yet when you were in that condition god made you alive with christ so you accepted jesus in christ god did a work in you and transferred you into the kingdom of light. He forgave us our sin because it's sin that separates us from God. The only way we get back to God is our sins are forgiven and dealt with. They have to be dealt with. You have to deal with them. Jesus dealt with them. Look at what Jesus did. He forgave us all our sins. Look at it. He forgave it. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. We had a, a spiritual debt to God because of our infraction, our criminal behavior of sin left us separated from God. And we were, we were in debt to God. Spiritually, legal indebtedness. Now we we know what that means in the world, right? When you break a law or you speed and you get a ticket, now you're in debt, you gotta pay a fine, you gotta go to class. We understand what that is. That's physical indebtedness or fines or criminal behavior. Well, in the very same way, we were criminals to God by our sin. And because of our criminal behavior, spiritually, our evil, in our heart, in our mind, we had a spiritual indebtedness to God. We had a fine to pay. There was a punishment that we needed to deal with. Now, get this. This indebtedness, look what he says, which stood against us, and it even condemned us to hell, right? That's where we deserve to go. He has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Jesus dealt with your sin. He dealt with your criminal record. He dealt with it for every mankind, everybody in in the world, all of mankind. Jesus' blood, the cross, is available to all, to any, all people. Not certain race, not a certain people, all people. Jesus, verse 15, Jesus having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In other words, Satan, Satan has been dealt with. His days are numbered and he knows it. He's got nothing. Satan has nothing but junk to sell us. Junk, used junk to sell us. We can come back to God. We can be made alive in Jesus. Our sins can be dealt with and forgiven. Our debt canceled out by the blood of Christ and the cross. Satan has been disarmed. His power has been zapped. He's just one big bluff. That's all he is. He's just one big bluff of smoke using cheap fleshly tricks. That's all he's got. Look, there are only two kingdoms. There are only two teams. Team God is the church. It's it's not about a building. Right, Tori? It is not about a building. It's about the body of Jesus going on mission, going and reaching the world for Christ. It's not about coming in a building and sitting in a pew. That is not what the kingdom of God is about. This is how we maybe learn and grow in our faith, but this is the least of what we should be doing. Unfortunately for a lot of people, this is all they do. Somehow we think that the devil has tricked us into thinking that if we come and we sit in a pew and listen to a sermon and hear some good worship, that somehow we are living the Christian life. Well, guess what? That's just a very tiny piece of it all, small piece. This is not the mission of Jesus coming in here and listening to a sermon. This is what should fire us up to go out there and live our lives for Jesus and go reach the world for Christ, right? So there are four different, four big differences that I've shared with you that I want to just touch on. Here we go. One is one team, one kingdom is about relationships and the other is about rebellion. We know who's who, right? We know who's who. One team is about truth and love and the other is about lies and deceit. And we know again who's who. One team is about saving people, and the other is about destroying people. And we know who's who. And one team is about eternal things, and the other is about the flesh or the temporal, the pleasures of this world, and we know who's who. Get in the game. Are you in the game? Man, are you in the game? I don't mean are you playing games, because there's a lot of that going on. I mean, are you in the game like all in, all in, like all in every, every drop of energy, an ounce of sweat you got, you're pouring into something for the kingdom of God. There are so many ministries in the church that need like passionate people that love the Lord, that will just pour their hearts out for kids and for teenagers and for college students and for somebody else other than yourself. Works of service, that's what we're being built up to do. To serve the king, to get in the game, to play our position, to use our giftedness. But it all begins by asking yourself, is Jesus Christ Lord of my life? Has the cross changed my life dramatically? Is the blood of Jesus covering my sins? And I'm on the right team, am I even on the right team? Or am I just playing games? I'm standing on the sideline trying to live the best of both worlds. Where am I? Gotta ask ourselves, y'all. We gotta ask ourselves. Are we living out our position in the kingdom? Going into all the world and doing something for the glory of God? Let's get, let's get in the game. Come on, man. Let's let's just get in the game. I, I hope that didn't just sound like Joe Biden right there, but let's get in the game. Let's get in the game with God. And I'll tell you what, when you do that, when you say, God, here I am, I'm all in. Use me however you want. And you begin to pray, God, use me however you want. Your will be done in my life, God. Your will be done, not my will, but your will. In every area of my life, everything, my money, my time, my my efforts, my involvements, my habits, every attitude, God, help me to line it up, God, with you. When you do that and you begin to pray that for yourself, like every day you hunger for God to be real in your life and alive in you, God will bring about things in your life that you never dreamed would happen. He will bring people into your path that you never th- saw coming. He'll put you in situations that you'll have to fight. And you'll have to battle, but there will be great blessings in the midst of it all. Get in the game. Make sure you're on God's team, and let's get going for God. We're going to come back next week in the next few weeks, and we're going to talk about some very small things about the game, about about discipline and about training and about running for the prize and all the things that Paul says and the scriptures teach us about, about battling for the kingdom of God. And I can't wait till next week.